The new Shared Prosperity Fund aims to support the UK government's commitment to levelling up all parts of the country. What is distinctive about the fund and what are the key opportunities and the potential challenges for local places and partners as they look to develop their plans? Welcome to the latest episode of Insight Impact, the SUW podcast. I'm Joe Duggett. Today we're focusing on the Shared Prosperity Fund, the UK government's successor to EU structural funds to support investment in economic development in local areas across the country. I'm delighted to be joined by two of my colleagues for this discussion, Richard Hindle and Ross Gill. Firstly, to introduce Richard, he's a long-standing director of SQW who has worked extensively in economic development at local, regional and national levels. Richard, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Joe. Shared Prosperity Fund, obviously important given its purpose and uh, in terms of scope, scale and geography. And it's very good to have the opportunity to discuss it now because I think it's very timely. I'm also joined by Ross Gill, who specialises in local and sub-national economic development and advises clients, including local partnerships, local authorities and universities on economic development strategies. Before joining us at SQW back in 2016, Ross worked for over 15 years in operational and strategic roles in economic development in the public sector, most recently as Head of Economic Strategy and Partnerships at Kent County Council. Ross, welcome to the podcast. Hi Joe, good to be here. And I know there's lots of local authorities and others around the country, aren't there at the moment, that are putting together their local investment plans, so, so pretty good timing for this discussion, I'd have thought. Ross, um, could you start off actually by just providing us with a brief overview of the Shared Prosperity Fund? What is it and is it distinctive or different to what we have seen before in economic development? Well, it's, it's all been quite long awaited, really, I suppose, the, um, the, the Shared Prosperity Fund. So the original announcement, I think, was made by Theresa May's government back in 2017, that there would be this thing called the Shared Prosperity Fund to replace the former European Regional Development Fund, European Social Fund money. And it's taken a long time to, to come to fruition, but was launched earlier this year with the prospectus that the government published. So in total, £2.6 billion over, over three years. So quite a substantial sum. That's quite heavily backloaded to year three, but nonetheless, a significant amount of investment. So it's the replacement for what used to be the European funding, or at least the ERDF and ESF elements of, of European funding. I think it's probably fair to say that there's been a bit of controversy along the way. Some of that's related to how the funding split was, was agreed with the devolved administrations. We could have a discussion as well about who are the winners and, and who are the relative losers. I think that's probably not the, the point of this podcast, really. This is more about what it's about, but I think you're useful to, to acknowledge that. Having said that, there's probably a relevant question of how does this compare with the allocations that there used to be from European funding? The answer is that it's about a third less on an annual average basis. So the government will say, however, that it gets back up to, to where it used to be by year three. But nonetheless, there's clearly a, an overall cut, clearly alignment with the levelling up white paper. So the headline across the whole of UK Shared Prosperity Fund is about building pride in place and increasing life chances. And within that, there's some emphasis as well on the less tangible metrics. You know, in, in the levelling up white paper, there's this emphasis on supporting pride in place, and which perhaps is hard to measure, but people know what's meant by that. 
We've got three priority themes um, within the fund, broadly cast, communities in place, local business and people and skills. It's quite important, I suppose, for, for one of those in particular, the, the UK Shared Prosperity Fund is supposed to be the main source of funding to support employment provision for economically inactive people. And that's a direct quote from the document. So some of this is getting quite close to what you might call mainstream funding. And there's a top slice from it as well to support adult numeracy skills to level two, which the government have called the Multiply Programme. It's quite interesting that this is an allocation process rather than a competition one. So the funding comes in a fixed allocation to local authorities and combined authorities in England, other arrangements in Scotland and Wales. And there's no requirement for match funding either. Of course, European funding did require match. That was one of the quite one of the substantial challenges of European funding in, 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 in some ways. There's no requirement this time. So this is clean money, if you like, which local partners um, can spend and largely revenue. That's an excellent overview of a very complicated and quite varied programme. That's really helpful. To pick up on a few points there, and actually you've, you've made some reference to the scale of funding, to the types of support that Shepherd's Rarity Fund might support in local areas. What, firstly then, maybe Richard, turn to you, do you think might be some of the key opportunities of the Shared Prosperity Fund for local areas across the UK? Well, it is quite important, actually, to look at what we had before and what the differences are. And the opportunities are there in terms of aligning with strategy and the flexibility that comes with that. And it's worth reminding ourselves that European funds brought some real advantages, but also things that they couldn't provide because they had to fit within a much more standard framework. Yeah, it was designed to be something that could be applied across the scope of Europe. It had to be de designed and delivered in that context. And here we, we have something that can be built much more from bottom up and doesn't need to be working with a very standard mechanism and uh, form of operation. There's been continuity with European funding, which I think is important. And I think it's important to try and keep that perspective on shared prosperity fund, even with, within the parameters that it's laid out at the moment, because a longer term time horizon is important for, for most of these things. And um, as we all know, changing places and changing life chances is not something that's achieved through 12 hours of um, support into an individual. So the starting point for me is that there has to be a way of building this, or should be a way of building this locally. Recognising, as Ross said, that there's a range of resources available to different areas and different uh, scales of area, but areas should be looking to try and change themselves on the basis of both the short-term opportunities and the longer-term horizons that they can take. Ross, anything to, to add from Yeah, I think, um, I think I'd mostly echo what Richard has just said, really. I mean, it was certainly the case. Anybody who's had experience of writing ERDF applications and has had that experience of European funding will recognise the slightly Byzantine and bizarre nature of it in some ways and the, the way in which you had to respond to, to questions which weren't necessarily about the project but were about certain ways of thinking or certain metrics and output measures that were defined by, by, the, by the European guidance and so on. So in a way, there's something quite potentially, there could be something quite refreshing about this, about taking a slightly different approach and a bit more of a, a, a pragmatic and, and practical approach. I, I think it is worth just emphasising 
the extent to which there's quite a lot of breadth in the UK Shared Prosperity Fund in terms of what you can do. So within the prospectus, there's 41 sort of pre-populated intervention areas, if you like. So 41 examples of, of things that you might spend this money on. And that, that's quite a lot. And actually, when you go down that list, that pretty much covers most of what you might want to do in local economic development terms. So, so th there is an opportunity for local areas to focus this resource on those areas that they regard as a strategic priority. You mentioned, Richard, the point around the continuity of earlier stages of European funding and then there are clearly some real opportunities for doing something different here through Shared Prosperity Fund. If we think about some of the challenges then that local areas will be facing or the sorts of issues that they should be thinking about, so what are the what might some of the challenges be for local areas in relation to Shared Prosperity Fund? I think it is around this trying to combine a short-term what do we need to do to get ourselves into this and use it effectively in the short term, whilst positioning buildings a position for the, for the longer term that, that will make a real difference? I mean, as Ross said, in terms of European funding, the, the emphasis on outputs did tend to mean there was less of a focus on where this was taking you overall and what the real distinctive difference was being brought it's a challenge, but you can go for something that tries to build it into and around other resource, both internal resource and capacity and other funding streams. And I think it was usually, usually quite difficult to do that with European funding and predecessor funding. There are other challenges in terms of multipliers is a good opportunity, of course, but is a more centrally delivered programme or a designed programme. And... Uh, I think, you know, the, the other thing that we've touched on, uh, how you build employment support, social inclusion type uh, activity back into this effectively. And it may be that gaps will become evident at national level and there will be new guidance to influence uh, ne next round. But uh, obviously we're very aware local areas are having to uh, react quickly to a deadline that's not very far away. Yes, there's a very practical challenge there, isn't there, of a, a plan to be submitted by the 1st of August, I think it is. Yeah, I suppose, I mean, I, I guess three things, really, just thinking about it in terms of the challenges. So so the, the, the first one, picking up on um, Richard's earlier points about the, the, the longevity of European funding, that was a sort of a strength of that model. Clearly, UK Shared Prosperity Fund, in its current guise, only exists for three years. I suspect the reality is that the UK has a, has a model which has significant policy churn in economic development and regional development, doesn't it? And that's been the case for the past sort of 50 years, so will probably continue to be the case. So I suspect we probably won't get back to that period that we had with European funding of having six, seven-year time horizons. I, I guess a couple of other things that, that we ought to think about in terms of challenges. One is what works at different spatial scales. If you think about what quite a bit of ERDF money got spent on, especially in relation to things that's related to research and innovation, for instance, some of the funding that went to universities, especially in certain certain parts of the country, and the which is quite an important income stream for some of them and, and an important focus on some, some major projects. I suspect that that's the sort of thing that probably optimally needs to be done at a slightly larger spatial scale than 
the local authority or even two or three local authorities put together, perhaps even a larger spatial scale than the combined authority, simply because of the, the amount of expertise that you might need to run certain programmes or the fact that they might be covering, in terms of the, the sort of general coverage, a wider spatial area. And I suspect we might see a bit of a gap emerging in some of those things, because it might not be the priority for an individual local authority, even though the productivity prize might be quite significant for the, for the country as a whole. The third bit, I think, is worth highlighting is what happens to some of that employability funding in the short, in the very short term. So the investment prospectus only invites commitments mostly for people and skills related funding in year three. And I think that's probably on the assumption that existing European funds are, are tapering down. So the new programme should, should take off following on from that. But I suspect that there will be some things that get lost in the middle. And some of that activity is actually really, really quite important for the specific cohort of people who benefit from that employability support. So I think that's probably something the local authorities, combined authorities, perhaps more so government, because they're setting the rules for this, ought to be mindful of over the next year or two. That's really interesting. Can we offer some thoughts or perspectives on as areas look to develop their plans over the coming weeks and months? What are the sorts of issues that they should be thinking about in developing their 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 plans for the, the Shared Prosperity Fund, drawing on our experience directly working with areas and from a longer term perspective in relation to what works in economic development. Who wants to kick off on this, Richard? I mean, the advantage of this, as we've touched on several times, I think, is that there is scope for flexibility. And I think the design should be made in a way that builds this in. Ross? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, flexibility is is, is really important, isn't it? And it's, I think, what... um, what local areas are being asked to do in their investment plan at the present time is to to set out the kind of intervention areas that they would want to follow and a, and a broad approach, but not necessarily to set out exactly how every penny of that, that that funding is going to be spent. That will that will clearly evolve over time, won't it? I suppose a couple of things to emphasise really. Firstly, involving other people. So actually, I think there's a real strength in local authorities and combined authorities being the recipients of this, actually, because they are accountable. So you don't want that money spent on the town centre? Well, vote for somebody else then. You know, there's, there is a line of accountability which didn't exist on some of the previous funding. But the guidance does very much talk about establishing the wider group to engage with in some of this and, and, and running consultation. Now, of course, all probably almost all local authorities and CAs and, and other partnerships will have various business advisory boards and other and other entities, local enterprise partnerships actually in some places, which are already set up to do exactly that. But I think there is something about how you can develop a bit of a, a kind of a coalition of the willing, if you like, a, a, around this, which is supportive of, but not just the local authority. And I think it's important that those other actors universities, further education colleges, business, very much the voluntary sector actually given the focus on community development and the sort of softer in inverted commas end of the skills agenda are involved in some of this stuff. I think that's that's really important. I think probably the second thing for folks to, to, to concentrate on as they're developing the plans is really thinking about what might work at different spatial scales and actually where's their opportunity to collaborate with neighbours. I, I appreciate in actually in some cases that's that's going to be quite tough because actually the everybody gets something out of UK Shared Prosperity Fund, right? That's one of the, the strengths of it in some ways. All parts of the country receive something. But for some places, 
that allocation will be really small. So it'll be a million pound over three years to, to one local authority district. How you can do things at scale with that money when actually there might be, you know, very pressing issues to resolve locally within local communities or within your local town centre or something is quite challenging. But I think having that eye to where there might be linkages with your neighbours or across a wider a wider geography is going to be quite important. You know, it's a source of funding. I think probably it's important to see it as one source of funding, which, OK, there's no requirement for match. But in a sense, that's kind of irrelevant, isn't it? You know, you whether there's a requirement for match or not, you do want to match it clearly because you want it to add value to your strategy. But it's one part of that. And in, in a sense, a million pounds will buy you a million pounds worth of stuff, won't it? Regardless of whether it's UK Shared Prosperity Fund or some other form of government funding, making that part contribute to your overall strategy rather than being the the, the focus in itself is is really important. And I'm sure that's what local local partners are going to want to be doing. Really important point there. A good place to bring us to a close in relation to seeing the Shared Prosperity Fund as part of a wider mix of investment and activity rather than the, the be all end all and a, and a single and standalone pot of pot of funding to be to be used. Richard Ross, many thanks for your perspective today on the Shared Prosperity Fund. It's been a really useful and interesting discussion. And thank you to you for listening to Insight Feedback. You've been listening to Insight for Impact, the podcast from SQW. To learn more about SQW, our people and our latest thinking, please visit our website at sqw.co.uk. And if you have any further feedback or thoughts on the podcast, or would like to suggest a topic for future episodes, please get in touch with us via LinkedIn and Twitter using the handle at SQW.